Welcome back to the Rock This Life podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Miller, and this is season one, episode nine. Today, I'm going to be talking about coronavirus and anxiety and just how I'm managing having three kids and my husband, who might be more challenging than the kids, at home in our tiny apartment that uh, is definitely not as big as we would like it to be. Um, especially when everybody is inside of it and how I'm trying to stay mentally healthy because I think it's really important. Um, And honestly, I feel like, you know, aside from the obvious threat to our health and wellness and the financial implications, I think that mental health is also going to be a huge issue that a lot of people struggle with and that they actually carry with them after all is said and done. So that's what we're talking about today. So yeah, I live in Los Angeles where right now I think there's like 500 and something confirmed cases of the coronavirus, uh, which all seem to have happened like overnight. Um, And we're on lockdown. We've been on lockdown for one and a half weeks. My kids have been out of school since... uh, Almost two weeks ago, they stopped um, the Thursday before last. So it's been, you know, almost two weeks now that they've been home. And we just got word that we're going to be out until May 1st, which today is March 24th. And that is uh, quite a while. My husband is home from work, working from home. uh, And we have a two-bedroom apartment with three kids to our under the age of three. And one is six years old. We have a little outside patio, which we're so incredibly grateful for because until September of last year, we lived in a one-bedroom apartment with no outdoor space. So we're really, 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 really valuing where we are right now. Um, But we still walk through the neighborhood and, and stare longingly at these big empty houses with giant yards, wishing that we just had some grass for them to run in. Um, but yeah, we that is where we are. Uh, and it is hard. It's hard. <laughs> I basically spent the first week feeling incredibly stressed and overwhelmed and did nothing. I didn't release a podcast last week. I have one recorded and edited and ready to go. But at the end of the day, I was like, nobody's listening to a podcast that's not about the coronavirus right now. It was so inundated with all of our lives and it still is. I basically took a week just to kind of digest what is going on and to get my bearings and figure out, okay, now what, what, what is going to happen? And for a while I woke up like every morning, just kind of hoping that it was going to be over or that there was going to be a pause or it wasn't going to grow as it did in the other parts of the world. But that's not the case. Um, We're seeing exponential growth and, and it's really sad and it's really devastating. But what I realized by the end of the week was that every time I checked the news, every time I went on Facebook, every time I did that, it was creating such a high level of anxiety in me. And and that was really eye-opening, just realizing that like this is not healthy for me. At the end of the day, I know what's going on in the world. I know what's happening right now. There's nothing I can directly do to change it. Looking up the news, seeing the numbers rising, seeing the number of deaths reported, seeing all of these, you know, worst case scenario, doom and gloom isn't going to change anything. (laughs) It's not going to change anything 
in the way I'm living my life right now. It's not going to change anything in the outcome of what's going to happen. The only thing that is going to change anything is me just staying at home and being with my family and trying to figure out how to lean into this moment. So that's kind of where I'm at this week is like, okay, this is happening. (laughs) Our lives were turned upside down in a matter of seconds. I feel like I'm in a really bad sci-fi film, Uh, but it's my life right now. And that's, you know, it's kind of what this podcast is all about is taking those moments in your life because I'm a firm believer that things happen for a reason. And that's why I started this podcast was to find the light between the cracks, to find those moments uh, that makes it worth it, all the hard stuff, you know, and this isn't the first, this is most certainly the first time I've ever experienced something like this, but this isn't the first time I've said, you know, had disappointment or hardship or a situation where I feel like I just can't get past it. Um, And I've always been able to, and things have turned around and there's been a light at the end of the tunnel. But that moment when you're stuck in it, when like everything kind of comes crumbling down and the fear and the uncertainty um, is, is overwhelming and it can be crippling. And so I'm here today to talk to you about how we can reframe it and look at this situation in a different light, not ignoring what's happening in the world around us, but saying, you know what, like this is what's happening. This is the reality. The numbers are going to go up. More people are going to get sick more people are going to die. And that's scary and that's awful, but there's nothing that I can do to change that. But there are things I can do to change what's happening in my life, in my home right now. When we moved back to Los Angeles, I did not want to come here. (laughs) My husband and I, I grew up in upstate New York and my husband grew up in Washington, D.C., which is where we started dating. And then we moved to L.A. because I wanted to be a dancer um, it made my parents so proud. <laughs> and, uh, and then I hated it here. I hated it. I hated Los Angeles. Um, it, I just, I don't know why, uh, but it was just not my scene. And so I was desperate to move back to New York city. And after about two and a half years here, my husband and I moved back to New York city and, uh, we were dating at the time. And then we ended up getting, engaged and married while we were living back in New York. And then he was recruited back out here to LA. And I remember standing on the street corner in the Flatiron District of New York City, just crying, crying because I knew, you know, I was a dancer and fitness professional and I did not make the most money in our relationship. And he did. And he had this great opportunity. And not only that, but he had followed me to Los Angeles and back to New York uh, for my dreams. And this was like a dream role for him. So I knew I couldn't in good faith as a, as his wife say no. Um, but I just remember crying and crying and crying. I did not want to move to LA, but then I decided, you know what, this is where I am. This is where we live. I don't want to be here forever. I was very firm on that. I was like, I don't want to be here more than three years. I don't want to raise kids here, which, <laughs> Jokes on me. We're here, uh, I think, almost seven, eight years we've been here, and we have three kids, and we are most certainly raising them in Los Angeles. Uh, But I didn't want to come. And I decided, you know, I can sit here and buy my time and just wait until we get back to New York to like live my life, or I can bloom where I'm planted. 
you know, this is where I am, settle in and, you know, buy furniture and make my house a home and live here. And we did that. And I made amazing friends. I mean, my friends are like family, which they have to be because we have no family here. Um, And I'm incredibly connected and actually have fallen in love with a place that I hated and desperately didn't want to be because of the connections and because of leaning into like where I was. Um, But so that what that has to do with right now is that, you know, leaning into this moment, we can spend the next however many weeks, months, whatever it takes, dwelling on the disruption in our lives. The fact that we can't get any work done because our kids are cray cray, uh, that we're trying to figure out how to homeschool our kids so they don't fall behind, but they don't listen to a thing we say. And we have no idea what we're doing because we're not teachers. And we also have to do our jobs at the same time, you know, or the the fact that we can't go anywhere and do the things we want, or the fact that just going to the grocery store is, is such a stressful experience and the fear and all that. And we we can dwell on all that, or we can lean into where we are. And actually it was a conversation with a friend of mine, Sarah Zod, who I had on the podcast a couple weeks ago, who is the founder of Humble Baby and another mom who has young kids that are now at home and she has a business that she runs primarily when they're at school and now she's got her kids there. And we just talked about just leaning into this situation and saying, you know what, my business can slow, everything's slowing right now and things aren't going to be exactly how they usually are, but we can lean into this. We can either have this be a really stressful time or we can make incredible memories and use this as a detour instead of a setback. Um, So that conversation with her really resonated with me. And that's actually after I, after that, I was like, I'm not releasing my podcast this week. I just, it's just one too many things on this tower of things that I'm trying to navigate through and I just couldn't do it. And so I let it go and I was okay with that. I was totally okay with that. I was like, you know what? It's not the week for that. Nobody's going to listen to it anyways. Um, And so that was really freeing, just that change in mindset. But then I was like, okay, so let's lean into this, right? Got all the kids at home. And what are the positives? Like, what are the positives for me right now? Well, I don't have to drive my younger ones to go pick up and drop off from school so they can actually get decent naps. My husband is home all the time, which is awesome. Um, No, I love having him home. Uh, It makes it harder. It's definitely one more person to clean up after and one more person taking up space in a very small space. But he's also incredibly helpful. And I'm very fortunate to have a husband who does help with the kids. So I'm like, well, he's not driving to and from work. So he can go like right now he's taking the kids out so that I can sit down and podcast and get stuff done. Um, So that's an incredible positive. You know, he's home for dinner, which we never, ever get to do. And I'm a huge proponent of family dinners. I think they're so important. And we hardly ever get to do them because my husband doesn't get home until after bedtime most nights. So like that alone is amazing. I'm like, okay, great. I've got bedtime help. We've got family dinners. We've got a division of labor that we're trying to sort through. And Then I was like, you know, what else can I do? Well, I'm not teaching, so I could take that time and still figure out something to do with it. And actually, for for years, I've talked about creating an online fitness platform. 
I literally was quoted an article in 2016, I think, about the online prenatal fitness platform I was going to launch. I filmed all the videos. I have them all. I just never finished editing them or putting them out there. So I'm taking advantage of this time off to create content. Uh, My mom, who's also a fitness professional, and I are actually doing it together. We bought the domain name. We found a hosting service to handle logistics of online membership and posting the classes on demand and also live streamed. Um, And it should be up and running by the end of the week. So I'm like, all right, cool. If nothing else happens during this time, I did something. And so just really finding a way to use this time. And I'm not saying you need to go and like launch a business or like create something magical, but I'm just saying sit down and think about all the stuff that you don't have time to do or you haven't gotten out of your own way to start. Like, why not just try to do it now. Make some scrunchies, sell them on eBay. Who knows? We've all got a lot of time on our hands and we can either spend it drinking way too much wine and watching way too much TV, or we could try to use it for something productive. Um, And so that's what I'm doing. The other thing is, is that my son, so we really struggled. We held our oldest, Avery, from kindergarten an extra year. He has a late summer birthday. And here in Los Angeles, it's very popular to hold summer birthday boys in particular from kindergarten. So they'll be the oldest in the class instead of the youngest. And we were on the fence. We I literally drove our preschool director insane going back and forth about what we were going to do. And at the end of the day, we decided, you know what, we're sending him to public school, which the public schools in Los Angeles are not fantastic. Um, And we decided we wanted to wait just so he would have more time to have freedom and creativity and activity in his day and not be just sitting and listening and doing worksheets all day, which is what he does now. Um, And we haven't loved his kindergarten experience. We haven't loved the amount of technology time they do, the amount of sitting they do, the amount of worksheets. Oh my God goodness, there's so many worksheets. Um, and But the biggest thing we've been frustrated with is the lack of differentiation in education. So they don't um, differentiate at all, like at all. They all read the same book, the same level, the same exact thing. And there's no like breakout or separation, which is really unfortunate because most, most even public schools or I grew up in New York where they differentiate the reading groups and, and teach the kids where they're at. But at his school in California, which is a very good, it's very highly ranked school um, in a very popular area, but they don't do it. Um, Every single teacher teaches the exact same thing in the exact same way, the exact same day. And it's just, you know, it's very, very boring (laughs) and he's bored. So I was like, you know what, as much as I don't want to be a homeschool teacher, and I've actually joked in the past of how I would be a terrible homeschool teacher. I am using this opportunity of teaching him at home um, to infuse his education with things that I feel are valuable. Um, Being able to, I mean, within a week, he's reading, like fully reading because he's being challenged because I'm having him read stuff that is challenging for him. And he's learning it so quickly. And now it's great because I have him read to his brother and sister. He's, he's 
collecting snails in our backyard and looking up what they need to survive. And he just he just uh, did a snail rescue because he put them on a branch without any leaves. And so he rescued all the snails so they would be in the damp soil with leaves so they could live. And, you know, he's learning science that way. And it's really nice to be able to use this time to take a pause from this like worksheet driven dot your I's and cross your T's kind of education to something that I really believe in a lot more, which is more creative and free and catered to the individual student. So those are like the things that I'm leaning into and putting my focus on, not focusing on what has made this very hard. (laughs) And trust me, I'm not sugarcoating it. There's a lot of screaming that happens in our house. There's a lot of yelling. I feel very uh, bad for any of our neighbors who are doing rigorous work at home um, because there are a lot of times during the day where our house is absolute chaos. Um, I can't really focus or get anything done like I normally do. We usually have a sitter two days a week so that I can work and we don't have that now. Um, and my husband has to work, you know, his work takes priority because he is the primary breadwinner. So, you know, it's hard. It's hard. I'm not trying to say like, oh, it's all fine and dandy over here because it's not. And we all know that. We all know that everybody's Instagram homeschool successes are like, you know, that picture was followed by epic meltdowns and screaming. But what I'm saying is find the things that are positive. Find the bright side. And if you think about those and lean into those and focus on those, then the rest of the stuff, try to let it wash over, um, which is easier said than done. And that being said, mental health is still really challenging right now. And it's something that I'm having to really focus on as much as possible, because I know for me that that is the biggest struggle for right now is my anxiety and stress. And that is what dictates how this experience is going to be for not only me, but the rest of my family. And it's super hard. It's super hard. I wholeheartedly believe that mental health effects of all of this, the isolation, the fear, everything is going to be one of the biggest lasting problems from what we're going through right now. Not only are people turning to alcohol, addiction. There's isolation. I think about people, friends and family that have no spouse, no kids, and they're just alone. Like that's, it's just, that's hard, you know? But then again, there's those of us that are never alone. And that's also hard. I think about the amount of screen time that our kids are having as well as us. I think about the sedentary lifestyle that a lot of people are forced into because now we're no longer getting up, getting ready for the day, walking to our car, just getting up and moving around. Just the little amounts that we do, the little amounts that kids do. Even my son, he's six, almost seven. He, the other day, just got really down and he started crying because he was like, I just want a play date. And I was like, I know, buddy, so do I for you. I want to send you to a play date. No, um, it just, it's hard. These little kids, they're social. They're used to being around all their friends and being busybodies and having people that understand their obnoxious six-year-old boy humor. And we just don't find it funny because it's 
a kind of humor that only six-year-old kids get. Um, And it's just hard. It's hard for them too. And it just, all of it, all of it, the mental health, the anxiety is just a lot for everybody, I think. I think everybody is, is struggling in some way with what's going on right now. And so I just wanted to share my thoughts on it and then just also what I'm doing to help with my mental health. I know for myself that when my anxiety gets high, it can be completely crippling. Like it's all that I think about. It's all that I do. I start to obsess with it. And that's what happened with me about a week ago. And I knew that I needed to start to do things to change my patterns, my thoughts, my behaviors, so that I don't spiral out into just panic attacks every day. Um, So here's what I'm doing to stay mentally healthy. Uh, Feel free to try any of these. Also feel free to share what works for you. The biggest one for me is movement. Whenever I start to feel panicky, anxiety, short of breath, stressed out, overwhelmed, I need to go outside. And some of you, I'm sure, are like, oh, well, you live in Los Angeles, yada, yada, yada. No, guys, this is, for some reason, occurring during the only days that it ever rains in Los Angeles. It has literally been raining more days than not here. But despite all that, I bundle all my kids up, I bundle myself up, I stick the two little ones in a double stroller, I make my older one just run along with me and we go outside and we move and we walk and we get fresh air. And I sometimes sprint if if I really need to get my energy out and I'll have my oldest ride his bike. And I we went this morning, I was like, hop on your bike. I'm putting these two in the stroller. We're going on a jog. And I just ran with the jogging stroller and he rode his bike alongside me. And I felt so much better after Um, So moving, get your blood pumping, get your body flowing. Like literally for me, I, I like running. I hate running fast. I hate sprinting. But when I feel all my stress, like just building up, I just run as fast as I possibly can until my brain stops. And it is like one of the only things that really helps me reset and feel calmer. The other thing is mental distraction. So for me, it's being really busy and finding a project that I can put my mind 100% into. Because if I'm just like doing housework and watching my kids, I'm really fighting the urge to every five seconds obsessively Google like who's dying of this and like all sorts of horrible things and just spiraling into this massive anxiety. And so for me, Finding a mental distraction, something I can fully 100% invest my brain into so there's not space for me to think about something else. And that for me has been like starting this online fitness platform, recording podcasts, editing a podcast, something that requires my full attention. Yesterday, I like didn't have time to do work. So I made the kids reorganize every single toy. So we took every bin that had mixed match toys. We poured them all on the floor and we just sorted them into every bin so that like cars were the cars and little people were little people. And it felt so good. It felt so good to do that in two ways. One, it like fully encompassed my mind, just sorting, 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 sorting. And then afterwards I was like, I 
did something, right? That completing something feels so good. Um, so yeah, I next I think I'm going to go through my closet, which I've put off for a really long time because uh, I definitely need, need to do a big purge there. So I think that's going to be my next stuck home with the kids project. Um, I literally, I, I bought a hose because our hose broke. And for me, one of the most therapeutic things is shutting the sliding glass door so I can't hear my kids. Mike is at home, so they're safe. Um, and turning on the water and power washing my patio. I don't know why. I don't know if it's like the water, the sound of the water, the feeling of just like cleaning it all off. But like, man, it feels so good to power wash my patio, which makes me sound like a super weirdo or really lame or clearly identifies me as like a middle-aged mom. But despite all those things, it feels so good to power wash my patio. Um, So find what that thing is for you that just helps you calm and recenter and feel like you're successful, you're going to be okay, everything's under control. Um, Because that's what it is, right? It's all control. We have no control over this situation. And that is so hard so hard. So finding the things you can control, you know, I can control how I respond to this. I can control what my kid is learning. I can control what our day looks like. I can control whether we get anything done or we don't. I can control if we sleep in. I, you know, I can control a lot in my day. Um, but I have to decide to do that. Otherwise, I can also choose to just see all the things that have been taken away or all the things that I can't do, all the things that I'm not able to continue doing how I normally would. But that kind of thinking is just going to leave you frustrated and overwhelmed. So find the things you can control, find the things you can take charge of, find the things that matter to you that you can do right now. Um, the third thing is just turning off the news. I deleted Facebook. I turned off the news. Um, I even had to turn off alerts for my text messages because there's a couple, you know, group texts that I'm on that are just like one after another, coronavirus, 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 coronavirus. Let me share this article. Let me share this. Oh, did you guys see this? Oh, did you see that? And I was like, I love you guys, but... <sighs> I just can't. I can't. I can't listen to it anymore. I can't be constantly reminded and overwhelmed. I need to be present right now. And I need to stop this constant barrage of information flooding over me. And then the last thing is, you know, when I'm, I just wanted to share how I deal when I have, when things do get overwhelming. And if you do struggle from anxiety and panic attacks, and panic attacks are very scary when you have them. If you haven't had one before, it's very, it's not like in a movie where you're like, oh, I'm feeling very panicky. It's, it comes out of nowhere. Sometimes you could just be like sleeping and wake up in the middle of the night and your heart is racing. Or for me, I'll feel short of breath and tight in my chest and um, shaky and dizzy. And it's very physical. Uh, it's very physical. It's not like, oh, I'm so stressed out. You know, it's different. It's very different. A panic attack is physical. Like you think something is very wrong with your body. Like you are, it's very, 
scary. Um, and so for me, things that I've learned from therapists uh, and just other sources that help me are sensory redirects. So finding something else to physically focus on. So whether it's like opening up a door or a window and feeling cold air blowing on my face, or sometimes I'll like open the freezer door, which sounds super cray, but it really does help just that sensory feeling or, you know, cold water running over your hands or splashing cold water on your face or even hopping in the shower, um, drinking a warm beverage, not coffee. That's not going to make it better. Uh, but anything that is like a sensory sensation. Um, and then another one is like moving. So any rhythmic movement, uh, can also help calm the nervous system. So going out on a run or a brisk walk or just kind of dancing around, I'll put on, if I'm with my kids and I'm starting to feel panicky, I'll put on good old Frozen and we'll have a little dance party and that will oftentimes help bring me out of that immediate panic situation. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. If anybody struggles with that, um, just it's always nice to have things in your arsenal because I know what it's like when the world is going on around you, but inside your head, you're freaking out. I mean, it's very scary and it feels very alone and very crippling. Um, but yeah, so that is all I really have for today. I felt like it was really important to talk about what's going on right now and how we can choose to make the most of this situation. And that's not to to minimize the gravity of what's going on. I'm fully aware that what is going on is really scary and devastating and huge. And it's something we will all remember for the rest of our lives. It's something our kids will remember when they're older. Um, And we don't know how this is going to play out, but we can be in charge of how we act through it. And we can be in charge of how we continue with our lives in our homes, with our families. And we can help our kids view this as a positive time in their lives. Um, not saying to hide the fear from them. I actually wrote an article on my website, rockandmamalife.com about how to talk to your kids about coronavirus and the importance of being honest and leaving a safe space for them to ask questions because they hear us talking. They hear us. They see us scared. They can sense our anxiety. So ignoring it or pretending like it's not happening is not healthy for them either. Um, but, But having a safe space where you can say, you know, this is really scary and we've never had something like this happen before. But we can keep ourselves and our bodies safe by staying home, washing our hands, and helping them find the things that they can control. And that's really what it's all about. So find the things that you can control. Find the things that you can create purpose out of. Lean into being stuck at home, whether you're alone or with your family, and find ways to connect. We did a, I did a Zoom mom's night in the other night with my friends and that was really great. I've been doing Zoom play dates with my son and some of his friends from school and, and that has been working really well. Um, go outside, get fresh air, find 
find ways to make this not so scary for yourself and for your family. Find ways to, when this is all said and done, to say, you know what? I spent that time getting a much needed break. I was overwhelmed and overstressed at work and it was just really nice not to have to be up early every day or work super late or just be able to kind of slow down a little bit or maybe it's, you know, being able to connect with your spouse or connect with your kids or have family dinners to do more one-on-one education stuff with your kids to be a part of that or, you know, whatever it is, find those things that make this a valuable time in your home. If you have any advice for other people that has worked for you to how to lean into this situation and to make the most of the financial health, you know, uncertainty of what's going on, share it because that's all we can do right now is support each other and share what's working in our homes and help uplift each other and encourage each other and motivate each other to use this time in a positive way to make the most of what's happening. Um, I hope that you all stay healthy and stay safe and stay mentally healthy and sane um, in your homes because hashtag stay home for real. We all need you to. Um, But yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. This is the Rock This Life podcast with Lindsay Miller. You can find us on social media at Rock This Life Podcast or go to our website at www.rockthislifepodcast.com and be sure to rate, comment, subscribe if you liked what you heard and we'll be back next week.